All right, good morning, church. Amen. Good to see you here this morning. Well, I can barely see you. We'll get the lights on here in just a moment. Open your Bibles, if you would. Uh, Jonah, chapter 1, and hold your finger there, and then we're going to go to Genesis, chapter 3. All right? Genesis, chapter 3. We're going to continue our series. Can we just have... Yeah, we only just leave the two lights on on back there, not everything. I don't want everybody to look at me. Strange. You see the redness in my eyes from vacation last week. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Amen. All right. um, We're going to look at adulting again. Get Get that phrase perfect, all right? Don't mispronounce it. It just simply means the process of maturing, all right? The process of maturing. We talked about it last week. It's, uh, it's when someone knows what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and then they do it. It's someone that's responsible, that has respect for people, that holds down a job, knows how to raise a family, you know, like an adult. Amen? And so last week we talked about that and we talked specifically about facing reality and how we struggle with that. Well, this morning we're going to talk about Adults choose to take responsibility. So we're going to talk about responsibility uh, this morning. I know a lot of people, uh, they, you know, it's popular not to, to want to grow up today and they want to stay a kid at heart, but in reality, God, God's Word wants us to mature. Amen. <laughs> wants us to grow up. Uh, God does not want us to stay young. So I got a couple of quotes here I want to look at. Uh, the first one says, uh, Jim John says this, The day you take full responsibility for your life is the day you pass from childhood to adult. The second one, let's look at the second one. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt says, if you can kick a person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble. Now, don't read it yet. Look at me. Who do you think about? See, our minds go off. But look what Teddy Roosevelt said. Fantastic. You wouldn't be able to sit for a month. Amen. We are the ones responsible. A lot, of a, a lot of times we grow up as adults and then we, we blame all of our, our emotional problems and our situations on our mom and dads. Can you hear an amen? That's what we do. Blame it on the past, a certain incident, a time in our life. But we are, listen, we are who we are because of the choices that we make. It doesn't matter what your past is. You can get over it if you're in the Word and you grow to the place where you forget those things which are behind, as Paul said, who was a murderer, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. This is our focus, the future. Can I say amen? Now and the future. Don't let the past trip you up. So a lot of people are blaming their parents, not taking responsibility for their own. Third quote, Immature people blame others for the condition of their life. Now, I just, I just got some rules for living here. I mean, it's good that we have some young people here. Now, listen, take notes. Mom and Dad, make sure they got these notes down. Good, okay? Rules for living. Number one, if you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. This is deep today. Can I hear an amen? amen. If you unlock it, lock it. If you break it, admit it. If you can't fix it, men, call someone who can. If you borrow it, 
return it. If you value it, take care of it. If you make a mess, again, men, clean it up. If you remove it, put it, or if you move it, put it back. If it belongs to someone else and you want to use it, get permission. You know that stuff that says, well, I'd, I, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. We all use that times. Uh, uh, that's immature people, okay, including myself. All right? Uh, if you don't know how to operate it, leave it alone. If it's none of your business, don't ask questions. If it will brighten someone's day, say it. If it will tarnish someone's reputation, by all means, keep it to yourself. I mean, just some simple stuff, the rules to live by. I think it's, it helps us to launch into this message this morning about uh, taking responsibility. But of course, what we do is we struggle with taking responsibility and we try to blame others. You say, well, I'm too mature for that. Well, are you really? Don't all of us struggle with blaming people? I mean, not me, of course. Okay. Our first, I, I got to tell you this, our first few years of marriage, my wife kept telling me this. She kept saying, honey, in this very sweet voice, honey, you always turn things around and make it my fault. Is there any man, don't, that you, not, not that you're doing it now, because we don't put you on the spot like that, that you've done that in the past. Okay. There's like seven of you. How many are lying this morning? Okay, there we go. There's more hands. All right, thank you. I mean, all the time. And I didn't realize this until she, if, if finally she grabbed my face and she said, no, listen to me. You ever had, you know, get away from football or really focus over here, you know, whatever, whatever I was focusing on. And she said, you're always turning around. You're not taking the response. And you know what? I really realized that's what I was doing. And I still do it. I catch myself. I still do it today. Instead of just saying, okay. You're right. I, I, this is what I do. I say, well, this is what I did. Okay. Uh, well, the reason I said it that way was because I was responding to the way that you said this. Or I did this because of, you're, anybody like that? You're, you're always doing that rather than just being honest and taking responsibility. The, the man is, he, he is the leader biblically he is to take the lead all right he's the one responsible we have to take some of that what well, we also had this in scripture in genesis chapter 3 verses 12 and 13 let's look at this this is this is our parents of course and they've they've really showed us the way it says uh, god came to adam and said hey hey what'd you do the man replied it was the say it with me woman isn't that good adam was blaming eve and that's where I got it. I'm sure I was really a theologian back then. So I got. But then, he, then, he, then, then Adam did something further. He said, not only was it the woman's fault, but it was what? It says, you gave me. It was the woman. You, he was blaming God. God, the reason I took the fruit is because you gave her to me. So God goes to Eve and says, uh, okay, so uh, Eve, what happened? And she said, the serpent, verse 13, the serpent uh, deceived me, she replied, and I ate it. So no one's willing to take responsibility. So I want you to go to the book of Jonah, and I want to I look at here because what we see here is Jonah blaming God. 
All right, it's, it's really interesting as we look at this. I want to read verses 1 through 3 and kind of go with this together. Uh, verse 1 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, get up and go to this great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction direction to get away from the presence of the Lord or from the Lord he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving to Tarsha he bought a ticket and went aboard hoping to escape from the presence or the face of the Lord by selling to Tarshish okay so so in this first few verses it sounds like God just said okay Jonah I want you to go Jonah gets up and goes the opposite direction that's what it sounds like but that's not how it went. That just gives you some portions. You got to keep reading. Let's go to chapter four. Let's actually see the conversation that Jonah and the Lord had. Look at verse one. It says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. What change of plans? Well, we, we got to go a little bit further. Uh, chapter three, it talks about how the uh, Jonah or chapter two and chapter three, Jonah goes through Nineveh preaching judgment. God's going to judge us, this uh, nation and going to destroy it. Nineveh repents. They turn around. They get right with the Lord. Okay? And so God changed his mind, which is a fantastic thought. Okay? He changed his plans. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Did I, now, now follow me. Did I not say before I left home? So before he left to go to the port, to get on the ship, there was a conversation. Everybody following there? Okay, so there was this conversation. Did I not say before, Lord, before I left home, this is exactly what you were going to do? That is why, now notice this, that is why I ran away to Tarsha. <laughs> you see what he's doing? He's blaming God. God, the reason I ran away from to Tarsha and got in all of this trouble is because I knew that you, you were what? Now this, this is fantastic. Now jo- Jonah's describing his understanding of God. This is why I ran to Tarsha. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that, that's a reason to get mad at God, right? And run the opposite direction slow to anger and filled with unfailing love so he gets mad because god is this way and he says you are eager to turn your back from destroying people then verse 3 he says just kill me now just kill me now so jonah he runs from the direction that god calls him and then all the trouble he gets into in chapter 4 he is literally blaming God for all of his turmoil. Have you ever, ever, in your circumstances, in your situations in life, and all that you go through, it is God's fault? Don't, you don't need to raise your hand, but we're all inside jumping up and down. Okay, because we've all done that. So I want to grab just five little applications from the book of Jonah just so we can take home today, so that we can kind of understand what happens when we run from the Lord and we run from our responsibility. Run from our responsibility as fathers, 
to our children. Run from our responsibility as a husband to your wife. Run from your responsibility as a mom to your kids, a, a wife to your husband. I, I, I run from responsibility of, of, of your job. Then there was the applications of this is endless. And so it speaks to every one of us where we are. And so, you know, I, I know it's been a rough week for you, but sit up. Pay attention. If you need a monster drink, I have one right back there. Just raise your hand. We'll, get, we'll come around and pour some in your mouth to get you alert this morning. All right? Because this is, this is really, really good stuff. Okay? It's just application stuff, but it's good. Okay? Number one. Okay, uh, when we run from God and our responsibilities, He, God, pursues us. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? Well, normally when we run from God, it's Jonah, you know, running from our responsibility. You think, I'm going to get away. <laughs> I'm not going to have to do that. I'm not going to have to, to be the dad and spend the time. Well, those things, God, he, God does not want us to remain in our, our immature state. Jonah runs from God. Look at verse 3. Okay. But Jonah got up and went into the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. To get away from his... See, a prophet, I mean, if you're going to be a prophet, and Jonah was one of the greatest prophets, you think you might need to preach to your enemies. Nineveh was the children of God's enemies. They hated each other. I, I could go into description, but we just don't have time. How that Nineveh butchered, destroyed prophets of God's children. And so Jonah, for some reason, and that probably one, is he hated Nineveh. Okay, I can I could understand that, right? They chopped up my friends, maybe his best friend. He killed him. They killed him. So, so, so Jonah runs in the opposite direction to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarsha, he bought a ticket and went aboard, hoping to escape from the present Lord. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm to threaten to break the ship apart. So God literally went after Jonah with the wind. Now we go back to look at verse 17. So not only did God send the wind when he was trying to run from his responsibility, he also, verse 17, sends a fish. Now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. He just simply said, okay, fishy, there's your supper. As soon as he jumped in the sea, the fish hears the Lord and he runs over and swallows Jonah. Okay. What God use? To pursue his child. He used circumstances. He used circumstances. Grab a hold of this because we are the children of God. All the things that are happening around us are God's involved in all of it. Don't think that these small circumstances happen just for hap, accident. When God's involved in every detail of your life, guess what? He's involved. In other words, take the message, take the, the, the truth from the Word of God and put it into your weekly life. Let's just not let this be an hour of performance where you come and you just, okay, God, I'm punching in my time clock. I'm, okay, 
I've done my part. Take the truth of God's word and implement it. This thing that you're going through right now, guess what? It's the Lord. He could be pursuing you. Not could be. He is pursuing you. Now, the great thing about that, I want you to go to Psalms now, 23. Let's talk a little bit about God pursuing us. You think, uh, and, and most of the time when people are preaching stuff like this, they're thinking, okay, go, so as soon as I do something wrong, God's right around the corner and he's got this two by four. And as soon as I walk around the corner, he, right? God doesn't pursue us to do that. Now, sometimes it might take that. Like in this case, this was a pretty big two by four, wasn't it? <laughs> he's thrown overboard and swallowed by fish. But, but let's look at, Psalms 23, verse 6. The Lord is my shepherd in verse 1. Bring that into perspective of you and God. He is your shepherd. When you do, shepherder. Can I be honest with you? How many have been around sheep very much? I'm not talking about goats. Oh, sheep too? Do you have sheep milk? Is that right? All right. Okay, so so she understands sheep are stupid. Am I right? Yeah, amen. Okay, so so the Lord says he's our shepherd. So what's that tell you about us? So look at verse 6. Okay, and put it in context, the Lord is my shepherd. It says this. Surely your goodness and unfailing love. Now, notice the word there pursues me everybody see that it says pursues me all the days of my life and i will live in the house of the lord forever okay so i want want to look at a couple of words there Uh, goodness means favor means best bountiful so so god is pursuing us now the word pursue means to chase down to run after so so good in your mind god is our shepherd and he chases us down as a good shepherd to pour out on us what's best for us. He pours out on us his goodness, his favor, his bountifulness. And then the the verse here uh, says, um, surely the goodness and unfailing love. In other translations, it says mercy. But unfailing love is fantastic translation of that. So God is pursuing you when you don't take your responsibility and he's pursuing you to pour out on you his unfailing love. He's he's chasing you down, not to hit you the two by four. He's just chasing you down because he doesn't want you. Now listen, he doesn't want you to remain in that baby state. He doesn't want you to remain in that unmature state. He wants you to grow up. So he chases you down, every one of his children, because he's that great shepherd. Oh, and here's the best part of that verse. All the days of my life. Isn't that good? Now, now we always think, we, we have relationships and people get mad at us, right? We think, oh, they're going to fall out of love with me. They're going to leave me. Oh, and then they do. Not God. Not God. He's pursuing us to pour out on us his greatness or his goodness, his best, his favor his unfailing love pour out on us all the days of my life 
Let that sink in. Never is there a time you will give up on God. But God will never give up on you. It's fantastic. That's the kind of God that we're here to learn about. And see what kind of, how he treats us. Okay, so he pursues us all the days of our life. He pursues us with circumstances. When these circumstances happen, you think, oh, that's the worst thing. There couldn't be any worse thing. Understand God's involved, and he's going to turn it around. He's pursuing us to pour out on us his character and his great deeds upon our lives. And so take courage. He pursues us. Okay, I got, I got it quick. We got four more thoughts. All right, number two. Okay. When we repent, and we're going to go to chapter two, Jonah, chapter two. When we repent and we cry out to the Lord, okay, so, so when he chases us down and he catches us, <laughs> and he'll catch you, amen, and you repent and you get right with God, he hears you. He hears your cry of repentance, okay? Let's look at. Uh, Jonah chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Again, it is... I know I say this a lot. It's fantastic. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Okay. Why is it fantastic? Because it's God's word. Look at verse 7. As my life was slipping away... So, okay, so he's in, and I'm just, I'm going through this as you already read the story. You've already know, everybody already knows pretty well the story of Jonah. He's so, so he's in this fish three days and three nights. Just as he's ready, his life is slipping away. Think about that. What's that mean? Getting ready to die. The bot describes seaweed around his head. What, do you, what else do you think was in there? I don't know. Is there, is there acid in a whale's stomach like there is ours? You think he might have been turning a color? You think maybe he was, you know, just his body was breaking down a little bit? I, I don't know. But you get the point. He's, he's getting ready to die. And then it says this, I remembered the Lord. <laughs> what did he remember? He remembered what he was thinking when God called him to go to Nineveh. God is this uh, uh, merciful God. God is a God that doesn't want to pour out his anger and doesn't want to destroy people. So Jonah's in this fish and thinking, okay, God is a merciful God. He really doesn't want to destroy me because he's thinking what he thought about in the beginning of the book, right? That's what he's thinking. Chapter four, he's, he's thinking about how wonderful, unfailing love that God has for him. Okay, so, so he's mad, he's running, and then all of a sudden he's in this fish and then he's starting to remember the Lord. He's about ready to die, but he turns his mind, like the prodigal son, to the Lord. Then it, go, it goes on. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods and turn their back on all God's mercy. Or they turn their back on all God's mercy. Okay, fantastic idea there. Verse 9. And I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And then he says, and I will fulfill my vow as a prophet. So Jonah's in this fish, and the word song simply means to cry aloud, to thunder, to yell, to sing to the Lord. Can you imagine you're fishing, this well comes up, and you're just amazed at this beautiful sight, this awesome creature, you know, how we worship wells today, and just, oh, and all of a sudden you hear this in the, in the, in the fish. 
Somebody screaming? I love you, God. You're such an awesome God. You're, you're, you're literally unfailing love for me. Just This is fantastic. And he, and he goes, can you imagine hearing that? That's what he's doing in the, in, the, in the fish. And then it goes, and praise. What does praise mean? It literally means, in the Hebrew, an extension of the hand. So he's in the fish's belly. <laughs> you get in the picture? He's ready to die, and he remembers the goodness of God. He remembers the Lord. remembers all these great things about God. That he's not going to kill him, and he knows that God's going to put him back on the shore. I mean, all of a sudden he remembers, okay, God's not done with me yet. And he begins to worship and pray. That's what he's doing. He's inside. This is probably one of the greatest personal revivals of all time. About ready to die. And he understands God's not done with him yet. And he's going to rescue him, save him. And he's in the fish's belly, worshiping and raising his hand. He don't care what all the other fish think about him as he's doing this. They're dead anyway, half of them. He's just worshiping God. Lift his hand and singing praises. It also means not only just extension of the hand, it means adoration. It means thanksgiving. He's in the fish's belly thanking God. So, where are you in your circumstances in life? Has he sent them down to you to get your attention that he doesn't want you in this state of immaturity? He wants you to grow up in him. He wants you to grow up to be that mature individual that, that, that knows what to do and knows when to do it. You're able to listen to the Lord as the Lord directs your life. Immature people, just, they just don't know that. Nor do they really even care. They're just going about, all they really care is about their circumstances. As we're going to see about Jonah here in just a minute. Okay, so, so God pursues him, and then God hears him. Number three, then Jonah complained. <laughs> so, so Jonah is angry, thrown into the, the ocean. The fish comes and gets him, spits him up on the shore, and then he's going to Nineveh, and he's preaching this. And then something happens, of course, and Jonah is upset with the Lord. Okay, so let's all go to chapter four. Hopefully you're still there. So Jonah's upset. Now this is, this is the point. When we complain about our problems, instead of taking responsibility, God teaches us. This is the third, number three. God teaches us. Okay? Verse four of chapter four. When the Lord replied, now, remember I said he just, you, you, we had the verse up there. It said, just kill me now. Okay, why? Because the Lord decided not to punish Nineveh. Changed his mind. Verse four. And the Lord replied to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? Are you, are you doing right? You're being angry about me not judging 120,000 people? Verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side. In other words, the Lord said, come on, let's have a, let's have a little uh, counseling session. Let, let's, let's gather around. Do you really want to get mad? You really get mad? And then he gets up in verse 5 and he leaves. Jonah says, this session's over. So Jonah goes out to the east side of the city and made a shelter and he sat under as he waited to see what God was going to do to the city. Basically, he was hoping God would change his mind again and he would destroy the city. Verse 6, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there 
And soon it spread, brought its leaves over Jonah's head and shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Okay? Jonah was angry that God wouldn't kill these people. You following? Yet he was happy because now he's got air conditioning. Everybody following? Okay. So what the, what's the Lord doing? He's just showing up. He, he's just bringing this mirror up. That's what the Lord's doing. He says, he says, Jonah, I'm just bringing this mirror up. Because God chases him down. Verse 7. And God arranged for a worm. A worm. The next morning at dawn. And the worm ate through the stem of the plant. So it withered away. And as the sun grew hot. God arranged for his scorching. Do you, do you, you see God in all this? Now, the, the difference is, is that we don't hear the voice, and God sent the storm your way. I, I, was, out on the, I was out on the boat the other day with, uh, with some people on Table Rock. And, I mean, I mean we're, we're at a ta- pontoon, really fast boats, right? And the storm, it was lightning, raining sideways, okay? I'm, I'm talking about the storm that came through here, okay? It, it, the... And so I'm, I, you're not supposed to gun it when you park it, right? So I'm trying to be nice and easy so I don't get in trouble. The wind blows the boat almost all the way into the <laughs> way far where I'm supposed to park, right? So I get up close to the dock, and a guy steps on it, and he takes over, and he guns it everywhere he went. But that was a storm. The, the, the difference is, is I didn't hear God say, Fleener, I arranged this storm. That's the difference. But right here it says, and God arranged for this worm to eat this plant. And then God arranged for the sun to beat down and he sent an east, a scorching east wave to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head and he grew faint. Now notice what it says. And wished to what? Die. He says, death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. <laughs> so God said to him, is it right for you to be angry because of a plant? A plant died? Well, yeah, my air conditioner's gone. Hammer got married over your air conditioner not working in Missouri. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. The word sorry means compassionate. Okay? You have compassion about the fact that you have no air condition, though you didn't put it there, and it came up quickly and it died. But, he's putting up this mirror, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention the animals. Should I not, and here's the same word, feel sorry, exact same Hebrew word, for such a city. He was simply holding this mirror up in front of Jonah. Okay? So Jonah could see his heart. Jonah, all I want you to see is you care more about your air condition. You care more about your comfort than you do about 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. And he said, Jonah, do you see? And the one thing I hate about this book is it doesn't tell us if he sees it or not. It closes. The book is over. I want to know the end. When I get to heaven, I want to run over to Jonah. Jonah, were you an idiot or not? Amen? 
Did you come around? I want to know. So, so ap- application-wise, i got a couple minutes. Application. We, t- we still have two more points, too. Okay. Your circumstances. Are you more concerned about your circumstances in life? Your job? All of these other things in life more than people that are without Christ and are going to burn in hell. And I'm not fire and brimstone. I'm not trying to, just forever. I mean, God has sent us to be a light in a dark world. And I know it's true because I do the same thing. We, we get more concerned and wrapped up in our things of life than we do about somebody's eternal destiny. than our family members that are not saved, our loved ones, our neighbors. I know there's churches on every corner in the city, but I'm telling you, most of them are empty. The majority of churches are... Three churches have approached us in the last few months about maybe taking on their buildings. Why? Because real life is helping people find and follow Jesus, and their emphasis is on truth and dark doctrine and justice and the American dream. I'm serious. It's the Pharisees. By doctrine, has to be perfectly straight down the line. So when somebody comes in and believes differently than they do, they run them off. I kid you not. That's good preaching. Woohoo! I mean, we got we got to have the truth because the truth changes lies. But truth with love, truth with love. Okay, so you see the application here. Number number four. Let's move right along. Okay, so God pursues us in our life. Number two, God hears us. God teaches us. Number four. When we run from our responsibilities, there's a price. It's a, there's a cost. Jonah went down to Joppa, and he paid for a ticket. Jonah got on the ship, and he paid for his running away from responsibility with throwing him overboard. There, there's a big payment, and then now he's in the fish. I mean, there's a payment for for what he did i think the sailors paid too you remember the bible says that because of jonah's irresponsibility because of his running from his responsibility there's a price to pay and the sailors had nothing to do with this incident and yet they paid heavily the bible says their ship almost broke that's their livelihood because of him broke Then they threw all their stuff overboard. Now, you've all heard this before. Threw it overboard. I'm just simply saying there's a price to pay when you and I run from our responsibilities. Husband, your responsibility, your number one responsibility is love your wife as Christ loved the church. Number one responsibility. Can I hear an amen? When you don't do that, there's a price. You don't have that intimate closeness with your spouse. 
raising kids, there's a price to pay when you ignore them. There's a price. And then last of all, I know we've got to get through this, is there's loss of opportunities, all right? When we run from our responsibilities and we run from God, uh, sometimes there's a loss of opportunities. Now, there's, there's so many applications here, but let me just give you a couple of applications. Um, when I was growing up, um, there was a guy named Ronnie White, and that's, that was my name. But like three years old, Ronnie White adopted me. And, uh, of course, that lasted another couple of years. He left. Fleener came in the picture. Fleener had this great, great opportunity to love me, to love Jimmy, my brother, and to love Kathy. None of his kids. He had Jamie with my mom. But he had an opportunity to love us three kids. He refused the responsibility. So now he's up in age, and he's reaching out to you know, his family members, when, when, when I go home, of course, we try to go see him and stuff, and we love him, but nobody really wants anything to do with him. I mean, he lost an opportunity to, to, to pour his life into us. I mean, it's, it's a great application. Uh, the rich man in Luke chapter 16, the same truth. Uh, 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 Lazarus was there, and he heard the gospel rather than telling his five brothers what he heard. He died and went to hell, and in hell he asked, he asked Lazarus to go tell his five brothers. He had the truth, and he didn't do anything with it. He lost an opportunity for himself to go to his brothers and tell his brothers. There's loss of opportunities. When we do not, when we run, and we say, we, we don't love our wives as we should, we lost an opportunity. We don't, we don't, pour our love in our kids we, we lose opportunities and of course there's prices to pay but he just lost it he just lost it none of us want to lose opportunities a responsible person isn't wrapped up in himself at the moment but he's concerned about those around him that's a responsible person understands that God is in him the hope of glory and he wants to use his life as a vessel to bring people into the kingdom. God wants to use us. Our crookedness, God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And he wants to use your life. What a great opportunity. Let's all stand, our heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. They're going to sing that song that they played earlier. And this is an opportunity for you to just either stay in your seat or come down here and just do business with God, all right? After the song's done, uh, uh, Judy's going to come up here and give a few announcements, but this is a time for you and your God to do business. If he spoke to you in any way about the responsibility of your life, whatever, whatever he spoke to you about, this is a time for you and him. Let's all have our heads bowed, our eyes closed. God, I pray this morning that you'd have your will and your way in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed as they sing this song. If you need to come, come right now. Do business with God.